Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your go-to resource for all things pipeline and revenue production in the tech sales world. Technology marketing, sales development, sales, and revenue operations have combined to create the go-to market engine fueling the success of SaaS startups and established companies alike. Each week, the Sales Development Podcast dives deeply into the strategies, tactics, people, processes, and technology that fuels the revenue machine. The Sales Development Podcast is brought to you by Tenbound. Get more free resources, insights, and intelligence today at tenbound.com. And be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I'm David Delaney, your host, and I'm joined today by Mark Sprecher, the Chief Revenue Officer of Service Power. Mark, thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. Nice to meet you, David. I'm so excited to dive in, especially with a senior leader and especially at this time in our crazy industry that we work in here at Tenbound. And Mark, could you give us some background? How did you get into sales and then go to the CRO position? Wow. That's <laughs> quite a question. It's a little bit of a story. So I did not start my career in sales. I actually started my career, believe it or not, in corporate finance. I was an FP&A, transitioned over to a quality program within GE. It was known as Six Sigma at the time, was a leader in that particular organization, and was able to get very interesting set of diverse experiences under my belt. So early in my Six Sigma career, I actually had the opportunity to work on a project with the CEO and the CFO of the business. And it was a business unit of General Electric called GE Information Services, which was their IT services unit. And we actually tackled improvements focused on the strategic planning process that actually had to be delivered to GE corporate every year. And I was partnered with another person in Six Sigma on that project. It's funny how things happen in the world, but my partner during that project was somebody named Kathy Warden. Very, very talented. Turns out that Kathy's on CNBC all the time, and she's the chairman and CEO of Northrop Grumman. So she definitely has gone a long ways, a lot farther than I have. But as my career transitioned through the Six Sigma organization, after that project, I got promoted and was put in charge of a Six Sigma team that was chartered to support the global vice president of sales. So my team and I were responsible for working with the VP his sales leaders, the sales team on looking for areas of process improvement, looking for areas where we could improve technology to actually help with the sales processes, speed up sales deals, increase win rates and those types of things. And I did that for about a year and I had the opportunity to present to the executive leadership team and the board every month about the findings. So I got a lot of really good exposure. It was one December, I still remember this phone call, that the CEO of the business called me and he had Mike, who was the SVP of sales at the time, by his side. And he said, Mark, we'd like to reassign you. And I said, well, where would you like to reassign me? This is the way GE used to do things. We'd like to reassign you to sales. (laughs) 
And uh-huh. I said, what? And they said, yes, you know, we think you've got the business acumen, the capabilities to actually do well in sales. And GE is focused on putting its leaders on the commercial side of the business. We'd like to get you that commercial experience. So we're going to move you over to run strategic accounts effective January 1. And I've never looked back since. So that's how I got into sales. Reporting for duty. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's amazing. And for folks that are not super familiar with it, could you talk about Six Sigma a little bit? This is back in the day. This is back in the day. This is like, <laughs> this was really big in the late 90s. This is really 2000s. big. Really, yeah. really big. And it was, I have actually, I joined the company near the end of Jack Welch's career. So I caught him right at the tail end. Wow. That's amazing. He was really big on Six Sigma, as you probably know. Six Sigma is a data-driven, scientific, quality methodology where you use a set of tools, techniques, and analyses to actually understand particular business processes and where they tend to be breaking down and maybe not performing as well as they should be. There's a lot of root cause analysis that is done, a lot of statistical analysis that is done, and it is a methodology in which you follow very discrete steps. And I think it was the Maic methodology, as I recall, design, measure, analyze. And I can't remember what the other two were. I think improve and control actually is what they were. So you basically are using a very scientific methodology to improve processes. And that can include automation of those processes by putting in new systems. Mm-hmm. And this is in your bones. It's in your blood. And they were very impressed with how you performed and then put you in sales. It seems like, are you still using that mind frame as you go through your career? Now you're the CRO of Service Power. Yeah, I would say there are definitely some of those techniques and tools that I still use or the mindset, as you said. I find that my financial background is also very, very helpful. So, you know, understanding P&Ls, understanding budgets, understanding what a buyer might be going through financially to try to get projects approved, for example, you know, understanding operating expense versus, you know, capital expense and being able to have that conversation with a prospective customer, I have found to be very helpful. Also being able to talk about return on investment and discuss numbers. So I would say that background, in addition to the Six Sigma background, are definitely helpful. I'm just curious, you know, a lot of the listeners are newer to their sales career, either in the sales development team or as account executives. How do you think about working with folks who don't have a lot of experience in the area to get them up to speed on all the different aspects? I think a lot of people get into sales thinking, if I'm just a great salesperson and I have that natural ability, there's really a lot more to it than that. And how do you think about working with the team you know, to get them up to that level or near that level? <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) A lot of it is coaching, Mm -hmm. candidly. I do have the sales development team as part of my organization today. We actually call them BDRs. And we've tried to create a career path where you can go from like a BDR to an inside sales rep to an actual enterprise field rep. We've had a couple of examples of those. In fact, I'll give them a little bit of notoriety. I've got a guy on my team named Alex Palmer, who is now 
enterprise sales rep in the East. And, you know, he started and actually on the customer success side of the organization and previously had done some BDR and inside sales work earlier in his career. So he's definitely very successful in that realm. And in terms of coaching, one of the things that I try to instill with younger sales reps is to listen. The most important thing you can do is listen carefully to what a prospective buyer is telling you. Ask open-ended questions. Get to understand the buyer's perspective. Get to understand the company that she or he works for, what their core competencies are, what they care about, who their competitors are, so on and so forth. And then get as best you can a good understanding of what is the business problem they have. Why are they even talking to you? They must be experiencing some pain and understanding what that pain is and the problem they're actually trying to solve is paramount. So for people earlier in their career, I always say, you know, listen, ask good open-ended questions, seek first to understand. So before you walk in and sell what we have, seek first to understand what the buyer is trying to solve. Yes. And it's prevalent in the tech industry of the sort of show up and throw up. That's what yeah. we used to call it. I don't know if people yes. call it that anymore, but they it's, actually it's like, still do. Okay. <laughs> They've got such a whiz bang product. And especially if it's like a point solution and it's like, you know, I've got 10 minutes with somebody, you know, over Zoom and I just want to show them everything that I can. So there's a couple things. One is, you know, being able to move from that show up and throw up mentality. And then also the challenge of this remote world that we live in. How do you think about sort of taking folks from that excitement of wanting to just say everything about their product and then also being able to translate it to working remotely? That's been very interesting. I mean, I think we can all say there has been nothing in our lives as a society as the past three years. And working remotely at first was definitely a challenge, especially for salespeople who are so used to being on the road, pressing the flesh, as they say, meeting people in person. And having to transition to having meetings like this proved to be a challenge at first. We did adapt, though, pretty well. And one of the things that we would want our team to do, as well as the people on the call who are prospective buyers or our current customers, was to ask everybody to turn on their cameras. Just something as simple as that. So even though the world had moved into a remote mindset, if you have your cameras on and you all can look at each other, you can still communicate that way too. And I thought that that was definitely a technique that worked well. When we did not have cameras on, or we actually had customers who did not want to turn their cameras on, it's much more difficult because you can't actually see the person you're talking with. You can't read facial expressions. You can't read the engagement of the room. And it becomes much more complex. In terms of the techniques of successful sales reps, such as you know, asking open-ended questions, listening carefully, seeking first to understand, understanding the buying process, decision criteria, all that good stuff. You can still do that 
in a forum like this. And I think we were pretty successful with that. Mm. It's getting interesting now. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say for all the positive benefits of being able to do this, I mean, I wouldn't have even met you, right? <laughs> if, if this wasn't available, it also creates these challenges. And almost as being kind of an old school person, I really want to go out and <laughs> meet with clients and sit in their office, go to you know conferences and just you know get out of my house you know to be able to get back to i guess the way it used to be <laughs> it's happening though yeah so the challenge today is what i refer to as the hybrid work model mm -hmm. so you have people that enjoy working from the house they really do not want to come back into the office and then you have people who can't wait to get out of their house and they're in the office quite a bit and from a salesperson's perspective the transition and the hybrid model exists there as well so for almost two years we were doing meetings exclusively like this and we were closing multi-million dollar deals over a camera which i found to be absolutely incredible it's amazing it really but I see people wanting to get back together again. Customers are now accepting meetings. Customers want to meet you. Sales professionals actually want to go out and meet as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, people buy from people. Yeah. And it's easier to get to know somebody, I believe, in a face-to-face -face environment versus this. And it's going to be something we're going to have to manage going forward that we're going to be doing lots of meetings this way but we're also now going to be doing lots of meetings in, in person i have personally been traveling a lot again and i can tell you a lot of people are on the road because all the planes i've been on are packed yes the pent up you know urge to go out and actually meet people you can see it out there absolutely but, it, but, but it's good that's a good sign it really is i mean it's like what can we take from this scenario that's a good thing and i was thinking from you come from a financial perspective and i'm sure you're thinking in the back of your head oh my gosh we have to start paying for all these plane flights and hotels and expense reports and stuff like that it was sure nice when it was just all zoom that was a lot less overhead right <laughs> yeah and my cfo says that yes yeah. <laughs> But hey, if we can bring in multi-million dollar deals, you know, at a good margin, then it's, it's all worth it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Absolutely. Well, you know, and this reminds me too of your background. As you think about the customer thought process of solving their issues and then eventually working, you know, with service providers and tool providers, how do you think about breaking down that process to create better relationships and you know winning sales scenarios especially in this hybrid world that we live in yeah you know i think i started to touch on that a little bit earlier mm -hmm. but in terms of a customer's buying process mm -hmm. that is not always the easiest thing to understand mm -hmm. because either customers don't want to share that with you mm -hmm. or surprisingly a lot of customers don't know their internal buying process mm -hmm. or you come across customers that have bought things before they but they have not bought a SaaS solution software as a service 
So again, it goes back to, you know, meeting a lot of people, understanding who the key stakeholders are, who are the influencers, who are the decision makers, being able to engage with these individuals as much as possible. Again, asking good open-ended questions and understanding their pain points and what they're trying to solve for. And as part of that, it's important to understand actually what the decision process is. So my team will hear me talk about this all the time. When you're working with a potential buyer, they typically have various options. Either they're comparing the service power solution against similar solutions from other vendors, or they could even be comparing us against not only those vendors, but potentially whether they build it themselves, or whether what they have today is good enough and they're actually going to just stay with the status quo. So understanding their decision process around how they select between all of those options is critical. And so one of the things I ask my teams to do is ask them what their decision criteria are. How are you going to choose between option A, B, and C? And you want to ask multiple people that question because somebody in this function at this level might have different decision criteria than somebody in this function at that level. And trying to get a consensus of the buying group or the decision committee of what those decision criteria are is not always that easy. But if you meet with enough people and you validate and revalidate again, that's where you can start to really focus in on those four or five or six key decision criteria. And then getting an understanding from the buyer's view in the process, how they're viewing us against those criteria versus the other options that they're considering. So, you know, that that process, excuse me, is something that's very important to understand. And then the actual decision process as well. Are you guys going to get into a room and take a vote? Is this a scorecarding process that's very formal and you're giving everybody points for different sections? exactly how is that being done? Or is there somebody who is the decision maker and she or he is going to make the call at the end of the day based off of what the project team has come back and told them? And understanding that is very key as well. So one of the things that I am a firm believer in is something that we call a joint success plan, where you are sitting down with the buyer and mapping out all the steps that are required to actually start the project. So when do you want to start the project? Okay, that means that we need to have contractual documents signed by X date. Okay, and you just keep working backwards like that. And all the steps and processes on their end, all the steps and processes on our end, and who the owners are of those particular steps and processes and who ultimately owns the deliverable. If you can get a customer to engage in a joint success planning exercise, that is a wonderful tool to actually understand the process. That's not always easy because a lot of them don't want to do it. <laughs> sure. And you're working in conjunction, you know, as a real trusted advisor, they used to call them, and you've got the same outcome in mind. And now you're on the same page. You know, if you don't have something like that, I think you're in the dark quite a bit. Yeah. You're guessing. Yeah. A lot of guesswork. Yeah. 
And I just wonder, you've got all this stuff in your head. I mean, from working on this for a long time and having all these experiences, I just wonder, do you ever get into a room and you know that you're going through a deal with a salesperson and you know that they're missing several of these parts or they don't even know a lot of this and they start just giving you what they think that you want to hear? Do you ever find yourself getting frustrated because you know you're like a walking sales process book and they're trying to kind of pull the wool over your eyes or they just don't know. They don't know what's going on with the deal. Yeah, that can happen. (laughs) That can happen. I want to put you on the spot. (laughs) Yeah. Here I will not name names. Okay. There are people who are missing things in terms of process, in terms of seeking to understand, questioning, they're doing too much talking instead of getting the customer to talk and to listen. So you see some of that. Sometimes that is a uh, lack of experience. Other times it can be just obstinance. I have come across some situations where you hire a very seasoned sales professional and she or he just believes the way they've been doing it for the past 20 or 30 years is the way it's done and they're not able to adjust to new processes, new ways of thinking, or the tools or the systems that their current company uses, and they just refuse to do it. And then there are other people that you know just need to be taught. And this happens all the time. And you try to lead by example as well. So if I'm in the room during these meetings and I see that something's being missed or there's a key question or two that we have not asked, I will ask it. Yeah. So lead by example, yes. The golden rule. And, you know, sales leaders get a hard time because they do really well financially. And they're like, how come, you know, how come they're making so much money? But it's really, really hard what you do. I mean, and to have a coaching mentality and yet process orientation and yet working with the board and working with individual contributors. I mean, my hat's off to you and the sales leaders out there that are great at their job because it's a very hard job. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, so it can be very tough. And speaking of the board, I get to present to them next week, as a matter of fact. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, but I get to go to Los Angeles. So yes. that's a good place to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's risks and rewards with this career path, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah. But I think one last question is on the process. You know, especially when you're working with less experienced people, is it sort of a checklist that you have? Is it a medic? There's medic. There's all these different acronyms of what mm-hmm. you're looking for when they bring you a deal or they need help from you. How do you feel about having like a checklist so that they can really make sure that they cover all the bases, even if they are got 30 years of experience? Right. So good question. We don't call it a checklist per se, but every new sales professional that joins the organization goes through an onboarding process. We're not like an Oracle or a Salesforce that has this massive, massive sales onboarding and training program. Ours is much more tailored. But as part of that, we walk everybody through our sales methodology. Ours is Elevate but it's got similarities to Medic and Challenger and so on and so forth. And we walk people through the methodology, what it is, how it works. And we have a series of tools that go with that methodology. And one of them I mentioned to you earlier, David, was the joint success plan. 
mm. and train people in those as well. So it is whether somebody is joining us who's very, very experienced or somebody who's joining us who's relatively new in the profession, everybody goes through the same onboarding process. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because salespeople come from all different backgrounds. You've got more of the engineering tech background and mindset all the way to the pure artist, you know, who's <laughs> just a naturally gifted and it seems like having that laid out process, at least you have a level kind of playing field for all the different characters that come across your desk. We try. <laughs> we try. Excellent. Well, Mark, I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and definitely want to make it available. If folks want to learn more about Service Power and you, what's the best way to connect? Probably to send me a message on LinkedIn, or they can actually send me an email if they want. So that's m.sprecker at servicepower.com. That's perfect. And for all the SDRs and BDRs that are out there listening, Mark did mention he's got an onboarding program and he's got an academy that could potentially get you to enterprise level. So I think maybe mentioning something like this, if you meet Mark, that you actually listen to this might get you in there. So little pro tip there at the end. Thanks, David. <laughs> Pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. You have a good day. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.